Well, good morning. You're tuned in to KBBI Homer AM 890 and in Seward on Translator K201AO 88.1 FM. There we go. Get that music out of the way there. My name is Josh Crone. You're listening to KBBI, and it is time for The Coffee Table. And we've got a whole crowd full of guests here in the studio this morning. Should be very exciting. Our subject is the Semester by the Bay, which is a program through the Kenai Peninsula College Cashback Bay campus. And my guests are, I'm going to start with Dr. Debbie Tobin. Debbie, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Josh. And we have Katie Gavinas. Katie, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good morning. And in the other studio over here, we have Charlie. Charlie, can you hear us? Yep, can hear you just fine. Very good. And Mia, can you hear us? Yeah, good morning. Excellent. And connecting on Zoom, we have Mark Weber. Mark, can you hear us? <laughs> Oops, oh, that would help if I got the right button there. Here we go. Mark, can you hear us now? Uh, yes, I can. Good morning. All right, and we got you loud and clear. And also joining me in the studio to help me co-host this morning is KBBI's reporter, Jamie Deep. Jamie, thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. Okay, so the subject this morning is the Semester by the Bay program, which is a program through the Kenai Peninsula College, Catchmack Bay Campus. And uh, Dr. Debbie Tobin, you are the coordinator for the program. How long have you been the coordinator for this? Uh, since its inception, about 12 years ago. 12 years, okay. Mm -hmm. um, before we get started in hearing stories about the program, I would love to hear from you about how how the program was conceived. How how did you come up with this, and uh, how did you get it off the ground? And yeah, <laughs> all that. Let's hear the history. Well, we kind of a few of us at the Catchmack Bay campus. One day we're thinking about, well, initially when I was hired, it was in part to develop a marine biology program. And so the then director, Carol Swartz, and I, and Kim Frost, and a former uh, business faculty member, Stephen, we all sort of talked about something like the Semester by the Bay program, thinking if we built it, they would come in, in terms of students from local, <clears throat> the local peninsula area, as well as from anywhere really around the state or outside and so we started to develop something and it has modified over the years uh, changed a little bit more towards uh, certificate programs which we'll talk more about in a minute that are now offered both semesters and more marine mammal biology focused in the fall and conservation ecology focused in the spring um, from something originally that was just all in all more marine biology so that had more of a you know, fish and seabird and marine mammal focus, as well as general oceanography and marine biology. Okay. And the, the program is, it's, uh, it's kind of competitive to get, to get into it, is it not? It is. We usually accept somewhere between 13 and 18 students a semester. 18 is the max we've ever had. That was actually quite a, a lot. <laughs> and um, so this fall, we um, set the limit at 13. And so we usually get many, many applicants. And then, of course, some people decide not to come after all. And mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's um, primarily the capacity to run our field trips effectively. And so Mark Weber and I in the fall co-host um, or co-teach a variety of classes that involve many different um, field excursions and research projects and the boat capacity and van capacities to travel all to, to all those sites is okay. what kind of limits our enrollment. Plus, we just want to keep that instructor to student ratio low. Definitely. Um, now, uh, we met a number of the students here a couple of weeks ago during KBBI's uh, membership drive. Mm -hmm. um, they came in and shared some of their experiences that they'd had over the uh, uh, first few weeks of their, uh, their excursion with you. <laughs> and uh, one thing I noticed that is that they are all from 
all over the country. They're they're from all all walks of life, uh, all different kinds of backgrounds, different uh, different undergrad programs that they're working with. Um, they're really not marine biologists, but they're here learning marine biology. Can you tell me a bit about that? Sure. We the majority of the students we usually get are marine biology majors, um, but we do get many general biology, environmental science, ecology, and um, folks from a, a variety, like you said, a variety of walks of life. And the way the program is is now the way it was developed. The certificate program is actually something through the University of Alaska Anchorage that is transcripted. So it's essentially just like getting, say, an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree. You would actually get a certificate at the end that is an occupational endorsement. And that allows anybody to enroll as long as they have the prerequisites. So we can have, I just got an email this morning from somebody who has a PhD, but it's in general biology and they're thinking of going into marine mammals. So they want to come next fall. So it can be for anyone who, as long as they have the prerequisites to enroll. Excellent. And now when it started 12 years ago, uh, what kind of participation did you have from the beginning? It was pretty low. We had five students the first year, and they only one was from outside. The rest were from Alaska, and I wish we would have more Alaska students, but um, we, we tend not to, unfortunately. I think there's just a great marine biology program also down in Southeast and um, up at UAF, too, so we tend not to get too, too many students from around the area around the state. But in the beginning, we had one student from outside and four local students, and that went very well, but it was very small cohort. The next year, we had, gosh, I think 10 or 12, and and that, um, no, I apologize, we had seven, seven or eight, and everybody during the course of the summer, after they had enrolled in classes and everything, had some tragedy in their life where they had to back out, so we ended up with one, mm. <laughs> and so we sort of adopted him, uh, and he lives here now, <laughs> so uh, he ended up sort of being our, our, our second but older son, and... Um, but he came and had a great time, so much so that he came back the next summer and was employed here in Homer. And then, like I said, he came back and did another semester by the base with us. And that semester, I think there were 12 or 14 students. And so, um, and one of the main reasons why he came back, because I got to know his parents through all of this too, back in North Carolina, was because we offer in-state tuition to anybody who takes play, uh, part in our programs. Mm -hmm. And between that and then the internships that he had that provided either free or reduced housing, it was actually more affordable for him to come up here, even with the cost of airfare and, you know, extra cost for, you know, groceries everything, and everything, yeah. everything, yeah. It was cheaper for him to be here for a semester than to attend his state university at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. So, and he just enjoyed the experience so much that he came back a second time because we were offering different classes that, again, applied to his major. Excellent. And, and the program runs both the fall semester and the spring semester. Is it a different program? Yes. Between, so do you get different applicants for each each semester? It's yes. A, it's literally one semester by the bay at a time. Correct. Okay, very good. Yes. Although uh, there were some people come for both and okay. stay for the year. <laughs> and then uh, you talked very briefly about uh, community involvement in the, in the program where there are uh, organizations from the community that uh, participate and provide opportunities for students to uh, experience field work. Mm -hmm. um, 
just other stuff. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. Who, are, who are the partners for the program? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, and I'm afraid I'm going to forget some of them. In fact, maybe while I bring up the website so I don't, I could also introduce one of our main partners and a partner who's always been since the inception, essentially, with us is the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies. And so we have um, the spring semester. This coming spring, we'll have a new course as part of the certificate program. And Katie can speak to that, but she can also um, tell us a little bit about how the students engage in internships with the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies and the, how they luckily have been able to provide housing for uh, many of the students, which as you can imagine here in Homer is very difficult. Um, hopefully we'll have university housing soon, but we'll see. <laughs> very good. Well, yeah, uh, Katie, go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, how Coastal Studies works with Semester by the Bay. Yeah, thank you. Um, so as Debbie mentioned, we have um, been one of the internship partners for a long time now, and we offer two or three different types of internships um, that kind of align with the activities that we do in the fall and the spring. So in the fall, we're able to offer a marine debris-focused internship um, in which students are participating and helping out with the community marine debris cleanups and then also doing a lot of the data processing, which is a huge help to us because you can imagine having dozens and hundreds of people out cleaning beaches and logging what they're finding and weighing the trash. Someone has to go through all that at the end and kind of compile all that information. And so having marine debris interns to help out both with the kind of public engagement part of it, but also the data piece of it is really helpful. We've also um, had environmental monitoring interns that sometimes are involved with the marine debris program, but also uh, other environmental monitoring in the fall and also in the spring. So that may be sea star wasting or intertidal monitoring, um, snow monitoring and phenology. So kind of the timing of when plants are dying back and when plants are greening up in the spring and also some harbor monitoring for um, invasive species that we do with our teen interns during the summer. And then at times the college interns have continued that throughout the fall or spring semester. And then we have environmental education interns that primarily are helping us out with our after school um, EE offerings and some of our weekend EE offerings. Unfortunately, it seems like our after school programs almost always overlap with when they have classes. So we have to be really creative in terms of how we help um, them to get those hands-on experiences working with kids in our community. Um, but those are always a really positive thing when we can make that work. And we've had a number of interns over the year. I wish I had thought to come up with the total, but I think it's well over 10. And um, many of them we've been really fortunate to see come back and work with Coastal Studies again the following summer, or we've written letters of recommendation because they're working at other organizations in town. So that's one of the really cool things about um, being an intern host and kind of seeing this program as the way that people do weave into the community in really meaningful ways. Excellent. Yeah, no shortage of activities at uh, Coastal Studies, I see. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Debbie, did you have the uh, list of uh, partners there you wanted to, to share with us? I do, I do. All right, so um, it's a long list. <laughs> so we partner with, uh, in alphabetical order, more or less uh, first for the fall semester and then into the spring too. So the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, they provide fisheries interns, and we actually have two of those right now this semester. Um, they do all sorts of amazing things, helping with field studies and um, both 
in the field, but also back in the lab, otolith, like aging of fish, and a variety then of data entry too. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, we work with the Alaska Maritime National Wildlife Refuge, so at Islands and Ocean, the visitor center, and that's a, like Katie mentioned, an environmental education intern and, and outreach. So they help with everything that goes on at the visitor center. Um, and we have at the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies, like Katie mentioned, environmental education, marine debris interns. Uh, another one that Katie didn't mention that is affiliated with coastal studies is mm -hmm. our marine mammal articulation intern with Lee Post. So he screens his applicants rather uh, thoroughly before they come because, he, as you can imagine, being a marine mammal articulation intern, the first thing you usually have to do is... Um, participate in perhaps a necropsy and then flens the animal down to the bones and clean the bones and really get down and dirty. And sometimes the bones have already been buried. We just worked on a, sadly, a beluga whale last Friday. Uh, so we brought the skull back. And actually, after I'm done here today, I'm going to go help them uh, clean the skull of that beluga and remove the teeth so we can send those to National Marine Fisheries Services to age that beluga. Uh, so those interns um, through Coastal Studies work with Lee Post. And so we work also with the City of Homer, specifically the Public Works Department. And that is a uh, sustainability and sometimes a climate action uh, intern. So they offer one or two of those internships. Uh, Homer Soil and Water Conservation District, they've had interns in the past. And I'll actually let Mia in a minute talk a little bit more about that because she was one of their interns a while back. Um, they offer currently an invasive species intern and a communication internship, um, but in the past they've uh, done all sorts of other things as well. Uh, we work with the Kachemak Bay National Estuarine Research Reserve, or KBNER, and they have in uh, currently education interns and working with Mark Weber, who's on the phone, and myself, Harbor Porpoise interns. And then also at times they've had invasive species interns and uh, other sorts of interns in, through their program. Um, and we work with the Kachemak Heritage Land Trust, and so they take on development and communications interns, and with um, the Kasitsna Bay Lab, with NOAA specifically, so um, Chris and Ross do a great job hosting oceanography interns, and those interns kind of get to pick what they want to work on, as long as it's oceanography related and um, in line with something that they already are doing. So that intern this semester is uh, working on some kelp forest ecology for them. So it's pretty exciting. And then we have winged whale research, which is uh, Olga Vonzegazer and others have developed that um, nonprofit now for over 30 years. And they work on um, cetacean identification, primarily humpback whales, and data entry and catalog. And actually, a few of them maybe wanted to be here today. Charlie's actually an intern with them, so she can speak more to that, because I think after this, she's going out on the boat looking for some humpbacks. So <laughs> lucky girl. Um, those are all the fall interns. Let me see if uh, one of them wants to speak, and I can go ahead and switch over to the spring internships. Very good. Uh, well, uh, do we want to hear from Mia about the soil and water internship? Mia, uh, well, tell us a little bit about your internship with soil and water. How, how, does that, uh, how does that work? Yeah, so I interned for the Soil and Water Conservation District in the spring of 2021, um, and it was such a great time. I kind of just remember Debbie like handing me a can of bear spray and sending me out into the woods in some snowshoes. Um, <laughs> there's probably more to it than That's that. True. Um, and I hadn't ever been to Alaska before, so I kind of just got to 
snowshoe around the Homer demonstration forest, which is this really cool um, forest in Homer. There, we, I mean, everyone on the radio probably knows about it, but um, we were looking at kind of different forestry techniques and different ways of using the land. Um, and so I was just kind of keeping track of the animals that were in the forest and building um, kind of a interpretive guide to one of the snowshoe trails for the winter and doing some social media work and just kind of getting to understand how the community was using this place and how we could make it um, a better resource for community members. And yeah, I learned a ton and it was just super fun to kind of get to be so closely involved with that space. Excellent. Um, okay, so you've got the internship, but then you've got other classes that you're taking as well. Is that correct? Yeah. So the internship is one of my classes that semester. And then I had a handful of others that were related to topics in conservation, biology, and climate change. So I had a class focused on, on global climate change. And oh, it was a couple of years ago, I'm trying to remember all the classes, but we talked about ecological research techniques, um, I think I had a marine mammals class, which was fun because I'm from South Dakota and didn't know anything about marine mammals. So that was really cool to get to see some whales and seals and things. Um, yeah, we had all kinds of classes on different environmental topics that all tied together. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Excellent. Yeah, whales are a little rare up there in the, uh, the uh, North Plains. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, excellent. Well, let's, uh, we'll get back to you here in a few minutes, Mia, and I'd like to hear a bit more about some of, uh, some of the experiences you've had. Uh, but real quick, Debbie, if you want to go over the, uh, the list of uh, partners for the spring semester... Sure. So the majority that I mentioned already typically have interns in the spring as well, so I'm not going to repeat those. Um, but I did fail to mention that, let's see here, the um, last year and this year, the City of Homer Public Works and KB NUR partnered together to uh, offer an internship as well. So that's pretty exciting. So they work with both KB NUR and the City of Homer. Um, so they develop and participate in various public outreach and education events related to sustainability and climate change and collect and compile data. I think this coming spring they're looking for someone especially who will work on some of the peatlands. And um, so that proves to be pretty exciting internship. And which was the other one that I forgot here? Well, um, oh, and the uh, Catchmack Heritage Land Trust, in addition to the internship that I mentioned, they offer an internship for a land steward. So a land steward intern essentially helps um, the staff there manage the 3,700 acres plus of fish and wildlife habitat in the Catchmack Bay area. And they um, do field work and they assist with annual monitoring of the conservation properties and sometimes assist with uh, trail maintenance similar to what Mia did or put creating guides for the different trails on the lands that they uh, manage. So that's pretty exciting. Um, so that's the majority of the differences. All the other ones, like I said, winged whale research, ADF&G, KB NUR, um, Homer Soil and Water, everybody else, and Alaska Maritime National Wildlife Refuge still offer internships with us. But, And Mark Weber can speak more to the Harbor Porpoise interns with KB NUR. Very and good. And and we've got Mark hanging out on the line here with us. Maybe we better check in and make sure he's still there. Do you want to do that? <laughs> yes, please. All right. Mark, are, are you there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very How's good. How's it going? Good. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, so tell us a bit about your involvement with the program. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm a an adjunct faculty with the college. So I work with Debbie, help Debbie out on her uh, fall semester marine mammal course uh, group. And um, 
I have been a resident of Homer. I'm not there any longer. I, I, I lived there 10 years, worked for Fish and Wildlife Service and retired to the Midwest. And that sort of works out because I come back up to work with Debbie on our, our field trips that we do. Um, and then I teach remotely as I'm gonna do now for the rest of the semester. Uh, but we also have this wonderful Harbor of Porpoise research project going uh, out in Kachemak Bay and particularly in um, Halibut Cove Lagoon in Kasitsna Bay where we're, uh, our interns are helping us collect data on these, uh, these kind of shy and, you know, sort of secretive porpoises that probably everybody who's been on the bay has seen, but maybe nobody knows very well. <laughs> they're, they're, they're under our noses um, all the time, but they're, they're just, they just don't come to boats. They don't play around boats. They kind of avoid them mostly. Occasionally they do, but mostly they don't. And so our interns uh, become really skilled they develop skills at photography fast because these are hard animals to take pictures of and that's what we want so we we do a lot of work with them coaching and and um, building up their their capabilities and we've got a photo id catalog and we're trying to track the movements of individual porpoises around the bay see how often they have calves uh see um how they use the bay in general and, and trying to unravel a little bit of the thing many of the things that are unknown about them so our interns are are busy on the water when they're up with us and they also can do shore counts and help us manage our, our catalog. So yeah, the porpoise is kind of the, uh, the uh, uh, hidden gem here in the bay and yeah, they do occasionally pop up when you're least expecting them. Uh, but if you go out looking for them, they can be kind of a challenge. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I have family that comes and visits and they're like, Oh, we want to see the, we want to see the whales. We want to see, see porpoises, all that stuff. And, well, let me go out and take a cruise around, uh, you know, through uh, 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 Eldridge Passage. You know, maybe we'll see some whales. Maybe we won't. Almost never see the porpoises. So where are they? Well, they're there. <laughs> they're, they're there. there. They're there. Um, I see them pop up outside of Land's End every now and then. Um, we, we found some areas where they can more reliably be seen. And then they, they move. Um, they, they move between them and uh, through the bay. I think they really kind of pile up on where there is food, and Debbie can speak to this, there are some studies that are in the works to look at the distribution of prey items that might be of interest to porpoises through uh, eDNA work, sampling water to determine what fish are in the water uh, through their DNA signatures they leave behind. Uh, but Kasitsna Bay is a great place. The Eldred Passage can be an interesting place, at least the as you get closer in towards Kasitsna. Um, and you just have to hope for calm water you can't really expect to see them when it's choppy. White caps pretty much kind of wipe out the sightings of them unless they do pop up right in front of you because they're so they don't make a splash much of their own. Most of the time they're just sort of stealthily moving through the water, quick breath and down. And they don't move in one often in one direction. They kind of zigzag all over the place in their search for food and each other. Now, when you think about uh, whales and dolphins, you think about uh, social groups. Uh, how, how social are our porpoises here? What what kind of characters are they? Um, well, yeah, it, it's, you don't really have, know a ton about that. Uh, they don't form large schools like dolphins, like some dolphins at least do, that uh, stay together potentially even generationally like orcas. Uh, they seem to show up in ones, twos, threes. Um, you know, small groups are more the rule although Debbie has some really interesting observations she can tell you about, about very large aggregations. But we think those are kind of kind of aggregating on a food source they're all kind of interested in, and then they just disperse. 
the longest bond that we regularly can identify, at least is that between a mother and, and a calf. So you do see ones and twos. And when you see two, and many times that's one and a, a bigger one and a smaller one, that would be a mother and a calf. Okay. Exciting. <laughs> uh, you, I, I'd like to be out on a boat right now, just trying to keep a, uh, keep an eye out for them. Um, and Debbie, I, I just have to say, if I could intern for every one of those organizations for the rest of my life, I would be a happy human. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, that's, that's an amazing uh, uh, collection of organizations that, uh, that lend their support to the program, and what an opportunity to really get some real-world real experience, uh, actual field work, real research. Mm -hmm. um, how many other schools offer programs with that much actual research that goes on? I'm not sure. I haven't looked into too, too many. There's definitely some other programs out there that offer similar experiences, but we try and do as much as we can in the way of experiential learning and just getting them out and, and giving them the tools of the trade, like the same types of good cameras with zoom lenses that uh, photographers, actually the same ones that say Paul Nicklin, who was here a few years back when we had a, that um, heat wave, the marine heat wave here, he actually gave us one of his lenses when he got a new lens because he liked our program so much, which was great. So he works for National Geographic. And so shortly thereafter, we ended up getting uh, equipment just like his and have kept it up. And um, the college has been incredibly supportive, as have the community members and all the organizations that work with us. So we can't thank everybody enough for their um, both time and effort put that they put into the program and to the interns, but also... Um, financial support that we've gotten through the college to, you know, acquire the majority of the equipment that lets us go out there and do not only photography, like the whale researchers like Olga and Craig Matkin with NGOS and folks like that have, but also to employ the environmental DNA that Mark mentioned. Uh, so we work with NOAA to do environmental DNA on Beluga. I've been doing that now for several years. Um, and collecting environmental DNA samples that look at the prey, as well as potentially the different belugas that use the Kenai River. We're hoping to expand that project to the Kasilaf River and maybe even down to Nanilchik as well sometime soon, um, but also then using eDNA. And we haven't started using it yet, but um, our new permit with KBNER, we also can use drones. So we're hoping to fly drones over the harbor porpoises in the bay and also then, like Mark mentioned, sample for eDNA so we can see what they're eating in different locations. Because sometimes they do just pop up, like when we're doing intertidal zone surveys on Otter Rock in Peterson Bay, near the Peterson Bay Field Station that the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies manages. Um, we'll be right there on the beach looking at sea stars and anemones and such, and a porpoise will pop up right in front of us. And so between Gull Island and Peterson Bay and then Halibut Cove area and the Elders Passage and Kazitsuna Bay, those t seem to be hot spots. But Excellent. Well, let's take a quick pause, okay. and then we'll come back with more of this conversation. Uh, I'm speaking with Dr. Debbie Tobin and Katie Gavinas, and uh, we've got Charlie and Mia in the other studio who are students of Semester on the Bay, and we have Mark Weber on the uh, line with us, and our reporter Jamie Deep also joining us in the studio. We'll get Jamie on some questions here in the second half. This is The Coffee Table here on KBBI AM 890 and in Seward 88.1 FM. We'll be back in just a moment, and if you have any questions for our panel. You can give us a call 907-235-7721 and Simon is standing by to take that call. We'll be right back.
This is KBBI Homer AM 890 and in Seward on Translator K201AO 88.1 FM. The time is 9.35 and you're listening to The Coffee Table here on KBBI. Thanks so much for joining us. And we've got Dr. Debbie Tobin and Katie Kavinas. And we've got uh, Mia and Charlie, who are students with the Semester by the Bay program, and Mark Weber, who is also an instructor for the Semester by the Bay program, joining us on the show this morning. Uh, thank you so much, all of you, for being on the show. Um, and uh, during the second half of the program, I'd like to talk a bit about some of your personal experiences you've had, uh, either as instructors or students, uh, things that have really stood out to you, things that really made an impact on you uh, as your career as a uh, researcher, student, uh, and uh, but before we do that, Debbie, you wanted to talk about a symposium that's coming up here very soon. Yes, thank you. So each semester, the students work diligently on individual projects as well as on group posters on their research topics that they choose, and uh, so at the close to the end of each semester, we have a symposium. So the Marine Mammal Biology Symposium is next Friday, and the students' individual oral presentations will be um, 15 minutes long, and that'll run from 12 noon until 4 p.m. with breaks in between. And then in the evening, we have poster sessions from 5.30 to 7.30. And we try to set this up as much as possible like a conference, a scientific conference. So the students have 12 minutes to present. They have to field questions from the audience for three minutes. And then, you know, they're basically pulled off the stage if they're not done. We keep it to a very strict timeline. And then um, we move on to the next student. So, But it is open to the community. We encourage anyone and everyone from the community to please come and in, and um listen in and ask questions and you can come for one presentation or stay the whole day or just come for the daytime or just come in the evening. The evening session usually has some snacks. Actually both do have some. <laughs> we'll lure people in with some some treats um, usually in the back of the room but it's not disruptive. It's encouraged to even just come for half an hour or an hour during your lunch break if you can. Excellent. That sounds like a, that sounds like a really interesting uh, interesting day. Yes. Um, Okay, so, and the date on that again? That is next Friday, November 3rd. Uh, it's the third from 12 to 4 and then we take a dinner break and then from 5.30 to 7.30 so hopefully we can catch some of the people after work Excellent. and at the end of the semester they the students present their internships so it's similar that's December 14th and that'll probably run as well from about 12 to 4 or maybe 10 to 2 it's the last day of the semester people are often eager to start packing up and go home but uh, <laughs> the internship presentations uh, are also a really great event for the community to attend because they get to hear all about what the students did this semester in their internships. Excellent. Yeah, and just to give a little preview for next Friday, what are some projects or presentations to look forward to? And uh, Mia and Charlie, if you have any presentations, you can talk about that as well. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be presenting on uh, Mississippi biology or baleen whales. Um, but there's going to be so many really great presentations. I'm really excited. We've been working really hard. Um, like Debbie said, we choose a research topic at the beginning of the semester, and we have multiple different presentations on our topic. So we have one for conservation, we're going to have a biology, and then we're doing a research proposal um, in the behavioral ecology. Um, so really involved research, and we're going to be very excited to hear any questions and be able to present everything that we've learned so far. And then for our field trips, um, 
we, as Debbie had said, we all go on field trips at the beginning of the semester, and those are each assigned to certain groups of students. So there were three students on my field trip. We did Resurrection Bay um, that were in charge of the field trip. So basically, we go out and we do ecological surveys and note down any marine mammals we see, any cool bird species, any changes in the weather, and that sort of idea and we have a GPS tracker for that and then we're going to make a poster that's all of the stuff that we saw on our field trip what we collected the data if there were any branded sea lions or ID'd whales we'll have that information up with everything we know about the individual and so that'll be really exciting too because like I said a lot of work goes into these projects so being able to show everyone everything that we've learned is really exciting And then, yeah. yeah. For- <laughs> I don't have a project. I'm not actually in school this semester. I just liked Homer so much. I'm back for a little while. <laughs> so, well, yeah. tell us a little about what you did when you were here, Mia. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, I think the project I was working on in spring 21 was a project on birds. And I was looking at kind of how noise from traffic affects bird nesting um, or just bird kind of populations in general. And so I had a bunch of like remote audio sensors that I put up around the Homer demonstration forest. And I was looking at how at different times of day and around different roadways, like the proximity to roads might affect birds. Um, So that was just kind of neat being able to look into how some of our regular daily human activities are impacting wildlife. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And for my uh, internship, we do We're working on catalogs for all the humpbacks of the area and going out on surveys. So like Debbie had said, I'm going to be going out sometime today. And we went out last week and saw a bunch of harbor porpoises, which we transferred over to the team of interns working on them. But some really great stuff. Excellent. So uh, Charlie or Mia, um, tell me a bit about a personal experience that you've had through the program that's, that's really made an impact on you. Um, one thing that I have experienced that was really like a moment was definitely last, my last trip out with my internship. We uh, were in Halibut Cove and we were just moseying around, seeing what we could see. And some harbor porpoises just popped up and started a uh, bow riding. And I was actually sitting on the bow of the ship or the little <laughs> Olga's boat just looking around and they started bow riding right underneath me and the water was so clear that you could see the porpoises swimming right side of the boat and looking up at us. And that was just magical to see. <laughs> That's excellent. I think one of the things that really struck me during my semester, it was kind of near the beginning of, of COVID. Um, and so a lot of our classes were online and there was a lot of stuff that you know wasn't the way we'd normally do things. Um, and so when I wasn't on online classes, my classmates and I would spend a lot of time just walking around Homer or going down to the beach. Um, and sometimes Debbie or other friends we had here would just like take us to look at birds or shells or just all kinds of stuff. And I think up until that point, I hadn't realized just how much learning can happen outside of a classroom. Um, and just being in Homer and being introduced to so much amazing wildlife and natural resources here was just boggling to me. (laughs) And it's really, I think, changed my perspective on how important it is to, you know, get outside of the classroom and go out and do experiential learning. And I think that's something that Semester by the Bay does super well. Excellent. 
Yeah. So Mia, you did this program back in 2021, right? Um, So what brings you back to Homer now? (laughs) You know, I came here in 21. I'd wanted to come to Alaska for a super long time, but hadn't made it yet and just fell in love with this community Um, and went back to South Dakota to finish school. And I have a really great job there. And but I just, I just missed Homer so much. And so uh, I had kind of a, a chance to take a few weeks off from my job at home and, and come here. And I've just been reconnecting with people I met during the program. And I'm actually um, staying with my internship mentor where I was working for the Soil and Water Conservation District. They were kind enough to let me stay at their house for a couple of weeks. And so I've been like volunteering in the demonstration forest a little bit and traveling around and just seeing friends and swimming in the ocean. And it's been (laughs) just, yeah, just a chance to reconnect and come back and scope out whether maybe I can move here. We'll see. (laughs) Hope so. (laughs) That's great. And um, I guess, yeah, since you did this back in in, in, in 2021, um, what impact did did this program have on your, you know, your career prospects, um, your, the rest of your time in school, all of that? Yeah. um, I think it, it really confirmed that, you know, the direction that I was interested in going and looking at conservation biology and sustainability was super important. And I think especially being in Alaska is such a great opportunity to see like, what a dramatic change, climate change and sustainability, like issues that we're facing right now are having um, on certain parts of the world. I think in some places, like maybe the Midwest, it isn't as clear like the impacts of climate change and the impacts of certain kinds of human development aren't as obvious, but in Homer, you can see the glaciers melting and you can see the fisheries changing. And so seeing that up close has, yeah, really solidified the drive that I felt to do something about that. Um, yeah. And now I work in sustainable agriculture research, so it's different, but same, same direction. That's great. I, can I in, mention yeah, something please, else please that's do. exciting? So uh, I would love for Katie to tell us a little bit more about, so in the spring semester, as Mia just mentioned, um, the conservation ecology program offers uh, classes like conservation biology and exploration ecology, which is kind of a flip on a t- typical biology class where you have, say, a three-credit lecture and a one-credit lab. This is actually a four-credit experiential learning lab, if you will, and two credits of lecture. And so we spend the majority of the time just out in the field exploring different research projects or topics. And then the students pick individual research projects of their own to work on. Uh, So and then we also have that global climate change class and the internship course that the students have mentioned. But this, starting this spring, we have an exciting new class um, that Marilyn Sigmund and Katie Gavinas will be co-teaching called Sharing Science Across Diverse Audiences. And that's actually an English and journalism um, jointly shared class through UAA that they intend to um, teach, I think, up at the main campus as well. I think they may have already the lecture portion, but then there's also a field component. So Katie can tell us way more about that class. Yeah, um, so we're really excited about this. We did a smaller version of this class um, during a summer program before the pandemic, and then it's been on pause since then, and really excited to have it be part of the Spring Semester by the Bay program. It also is very focused on experiential learning, and particularly learning from all of the amazing partners and expertise that we have here in the Kachemak Bay and Homer area around different ways that people... um, communicate about science, but especially 
have collaborative learning around science topics. And so, you know, when we talk about sharing science, it's not as much presenting science as it is how can we all share in this endeavor of understanding the ecosystems in which we live and work a little bit better. And so we're really going to focus on different methods of engaging with a variety of different types of people to learn together about science and um, to create those shared learning opportunities. And we'll be um, doing some learning at the Pratt Museum and with the Kachemak Bay National Estuary and Research Reserve and with a number of um, knowledgeable guest presenters who work in, you know, whether they be authors or artists or cultural knowledge bearers, thinking about the different ways that people interact with science and um, understand their environment and, and take part in it. And there's gonna be a really heavy focus as well on community-based science and, and citizen science as a way to be involved in science and learn science. Um, and so we're really excited about that course and it's been a long time in the making to kind of get it through all the different um, hoops that it needs to go through to become a new course um, in the university system. And it's exciting that others think it's a good enough idea that they're doing it up on the main campus. Um, but we're really pleased to be able to, um, that it was Homer grown and to focus on those, those Homer and Kachemak Bay partners and the good work that they're already doing and sharing science and really highlight that with the students. And one of the things that I'm most excited about, I've been able to be a guest presenter um, in Debbie's class a few times, um, more so in the fall. And you know, over the years, a lot of the focus has been on um, intertidal monitoring or, or sea star wasting especially. And I just remember um, how curious the students are and the incredible questions and the learning that that pushed me to do. Um, there's a specific class that I remember going into kind of a year or two after the sea star die off and the questions they asked about the cause of the wasting and how it was impacting different species led me to then go and, and talk with colleagues um, farther down south who, who do more research on sea stars. We do community monitoring on sea stars and they didn't have the answers too. And um, some of the people in that class, even though, as Debbie said, there aren't as many um, local students that do the entire Semester by the Bay program, I think one of the cool things is there are a number of local students that take the individual classes. And so some of the students in that class are community members who I see regularly, and they still have new questions for me about sea star wasting. And so having a class this spring thinking about sharing science, I'm excited about the learning that I'll get to do and the continuing conversations that we'll get to have um, as a cohort about what this looks like in Homer and how science communication and sharing science can be better and what we can all learn from each other. So I'm very excited about the program. That is excellent. I love the resources that we have locally here. There's the, the drive to know about what's happening around us and uh, the, the follow through to actually have these organizations uh, involved in everything and involved in the education of the community as well. Um, should we go to Mark Weber again and check in with him? We sure. left him hanging on the yeah, line for a sure. little while. Mark, are you still with us? Uh, yes, I sure am. There we go. Uh, so Mark, I had a, a question. I was talking with uh, Debbie a little bit on the uh, break about identifying porpoises. Uh, what are the signs that you look for on porpoises that help you identify each individual? It isn't easy or, or uh, <laughs> completely obvious most of the time. We do some work with them. Some of them do get little notches and nicks in their fins or scars on their body sides that we can see when they surface. 
but others, many others do not. And they, but they do have some subtle, unique features of their coloration where you can see some patterns where the darker gray on their sides mixes with an area of lighter, almost whitish gray on, on uh, up towards their heads. And at, at that boundary point, it is possible to identify some of the individuals because of uniqueness just of how their, their genetics determine their coloration. Um, but they're not a very easy species to work with. And it wasn't until not very many years ago that a scientist working that we're partners with, Debbie and I, uh, down in Washington state figured this out and published on it. And, and we've adapted it to, um, to our work. And it's, it's possible for at least um, a good number of animals, not all of them. Some of them are just plain and can't really see something unique about them. How many harbor porpoises are there in the bay? Do we know? <laughs> uh, no idea. Um, harbor porpoises have not gotten a lot of attention in Alaska, despite the fact that they pretty much are on all sides of it, uh, from the North Slope, where they show up off of uh, Uktiavik, and on the whole west in the Bering Sea, up and down the Aleutian Chain, and down into um, southeast. Despite that, and there are... Uh, Fishing Game has, and National Marine Fisheries have some population estimates in general. There isn't been, hasn't been much attention paid to them. For instance, in Cook Inlet, and rightly so, much of the cetacean research goes towards our endangered Cook Inlet beluga whales. Um, and where we have some information about harbor porpoise in the inlet system, it's kind of been a byproduct of a, of a beluga survey where they'll report some number of porpoises seen. But uh, actual dedicated research on porpoise, other than uh, the st study that Debbie's leading um, is is not there for the whole inlet system, really. Okay. Well, we have a caller on the line. Let me uh, let me bring up our caller, Olga. Are you there? Uh, yeah, I am here. Let me turn my radio down. I just wanted to comment that uh, Semester by the Bay is an amazing program. Dr. Tobin does a great job and. I've had interns uh, for several years in the fall, and they've all been great, hardworking, really excited to be here, and um, I'm I'm glad that they're doing a spring program too. Brilliant, uh, great uh, opportunity for kids from all over the country can come here, and they, you know, besides learning about the bay and the marine life, they learn to live alone, to, to cook for themselves, mm -hmm. and they are living in different uh, situations that are not dormitories and cafeteria meals. So they, they learn a lot, and it's, it's really a great program, and any kid from any college can go to it. Now, Olga, thank you, you. Oh, thank you. Uh, now, you work with the Winged Whale Program, is that correct? The Winged Whale yeah, Project? Yeah, that's right. Uh, do you have a, a, a special experience from your time with that that you want to share? Um, yes, I have many, but um, the, the harbor porpoise that we just saw were amazing. I've had uh, whales here that I've seen, humpback whales, that have been also seen in Prince William Sound. And there's... Uh, I have them occasionally just come right under the boat, and I've um, also had killer whales diving under the boat, and I have a, a marine hydrophone, it's called, and I can record them, and I have probably one of the most phenomenal recordings I took just right off the Yukon Island of killer whales, 
and they make really unique whistles and um don't know if I could I don't know if I could play it. I have it on my phone, but I don't know if I could play it over the radio. Olga, we're going to get in touch with you about those recordings. Uh, I think uh, Jamie's here making a note says add hydrophone to a reporter's kit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so we can interview the whales. Yeah, I mean, I really do recommend it to any boater. Um, It opens up a whole new world. Excellent. Oh, I, I would love to hear that. Uh, we will be in touch with you to get some of those recordings and see if we can uh, have some fun okay. with that. Sounds good. Olga, thanks so much for calling Thank in. You. Well, we have a few minutes left here in the program uh, before we let everybody go. Uh, let's go over the details of how somebody gets involved with this program. First of all, what's the website somebody goes to just to get the basic information to find out what it's about? The, our website is semesterbythebay, all one word, uh, .org, O-R-G, so semesterbythebay.org, and then when they look through everything, so we have our courses on there, our internships on there, and right up at the top is um, apply now, and then li- lower down in the list is I'm interested. So basically they complete a form that lets us know that they're interested and we start engaging in a conversation with them. We have a semester by the Bay tech or assistant who helps with this, Dr. Ken Goldman, who also teaches some of the classes for us in the spring especially. And uh, so we speak with the students, we see you know, if it's going to suit their needs. In many cases, you know, it's the internships that drive them wanting to come or the field experiences or they've heard about it from other students that attend the same home campus as they do. And so we then you know, just go through a process of ensuring that it's a good fit for them and ensure that the classes, like I said, and I think Katie mentioned too, if they only want to take one or two classes from the local community or wherever school they attend, then they can do that. Um, but if they want the whole certificate, then we need to just make sure that they have, you know, sort of a prerequisite in general ecology or environmental science um, or have life experiences that fit that niche. So that can work very well. And then after that, we uh, ask them to apply for internships, and those are competitive. So we ask them to let us know what their top three choices are. And we've never really, I think once we had to go down to somebody's third choice, but usually people get their first or second choice of an internship. So, and then after that, soon after that, like starting in two weeks, it's time to register for classes next semester. And so we help them with all of that. And the people at the Catchamac Bay campus, uh, Nancy Johnson and Jenny Roche and Jill Burnham, they're incredibly helpful in every step as well. Excellent. Uh, Charlie and Mia, do you have any recommendations for anybody considering this program? Uh, definitely. I would say do it. Um, it's, it's like for most of the people here, it is saving money compared to the home campus. And to be able to get this much field experience as an undergraduate student is relatively unheard of for like, yeah. For everything that we're getting out of the program. <laughs> yeah, same. I think it's just such an amazing experience. And I think it can sound a little bit daunting to just pick up your life and move to Alaska for a <laughs> semester. Um, but one of the things that was awesome about this program for me was just how warm and helpful everybody was. And I never felt like I was being left alone to figure stuff out. Um, and it just, yeah, it was so much more fun and so much better than I even imagined it would have been. So 100% people should apply. Excellent. I'm going to go back to my desk and I'm going to go apply right now. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) We'll welcome you. (laughs) Okay, well, we are 
about out of time here, so I want to thank everybody for coming in. Uh, we had uh, Dr. Debbie Tobin, who is the uh, coordinator for the Semester by the Bay. Mm -hmm. And Professor of Biology. And professor mm -hmm. of Biology. Thank mm -hmm. you for being mm -hmm. here. Katie Gavinas, Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Charlie and Mia, who are both students with Semester by the Bay, thank you for being with us this morning. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for having us. And <laughs> Mark Weber, uh, who is on the line with us, who is a instructor and works on the Harbor Porpoise Project. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Josh. And we will have this program up on our website here later today. If you missed it and would like to go back and listen to it, you can find it on our website, kbbi.org. And that is all. Thanks so much for joining us. This is KBBI Homer AM 890 and in Seward, translator K201AO 88.1 FM. The time is 9.59. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. <laughs>